There it goes. All right. So here we are. Lesson three, um, faith and biblical soul care. That's what we're talking about. And uh, the introduction uh, on your page one says, faith is central to the Christian life. Uh, we are called believers, right? And we are people of faith. And we've talked at length about saving faith. It has three, three parts. It's, we have to know the truth. We have to believe and affirm the truth. And then finally, we act on the truth in repentance, right? Uh, so we'll continue our series on faith by examining, examining how faith is a key weapon in our fight against sin and temptation. Um, because obviously, faith is not a one-time event. It's not like the doorway to the Christian life and you never think about faith again. Um, living by faith is a key theme in Scripture for us as believers. And so we don't t stop talking about it. We don't stop thinking about it. Um, it continues to be a foundation of our walk with the Lord. Uh, Colossians 1, 21 through 23 uh, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. That's the, that's the gospel. If indeed, verse 23, you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So our key question for today is, the first key question is, how, how do you continue in the faith? What does it look like for you to walk in, or live in a manner that is continuing in faith? Uh, so our objectives, as you can see there, we're going to examine what it means to live by faith. Uh, we're going to do that by kind of taking a quick tour through Galatians. And then we're going to also see how faith, in part two, how faith gives us the weapons we need to resist sin. And specifically today we're talking about anxiety. Um, I think that's a fairly common one. I didn't realize uh, how much I have anxiety about things uh, until I started to read and study uh, uh, in the past couple of weeks. And, and so even this morning, realizing, wow, I'm, I'm having anxiety about how class is going to go this morning. Like, it's, it's, it's a big deal. And, and once you, we're going to kind of confront some of the idols of our hearts, how do we use faith in Christ and in his word um, and his character to overcome anxiety? So we may not get all the way through that this morning, but yeah, that's why you have to come back next week. So the righteous shall live by faith. To answer the, the, our key question for today, how do we continue in faith? Um, it's important for us and for those who we minister to in counseling and discipleship, that we can first uh, turn to Scripture, and we're going to turn to Galatians this morning. Um, but Paul is writing to a church in Galatians who is doing the very thing that we said we can't do in the introduction. They were being taught and led to leave the original faith. They were not continuing in the faith. And Paul's writing this desperate letter. It's like, what are you doing? Like, wake up. So we're going to talk. We're going to take a look at that. Uh, and then they were in danger, actually, of leaving the faith in favor of legalism and works righteousness. So go ahead and turn your Bibles. I don't have all of the scriptures in your handout. Um, but if you turn your Bibles to Galatians. And we're going to just kind of quickly go through some of these verses and ask, ask some basic questions. What do we see here? Um, so Galatians 1, we're going to start in verse 6. This kind of sets the stage a little bit for us. Paul writes, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. <laughs> As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So according to those verses, what do, what do we need to do to walk by faith? What are the warnings there? Well, we can't turn to a different gospel. Right. 
Yeah, so we, we don't leave the gospel. The gospel that saves us is the gospel we cling to. He says, I'm astonished that you're already deserting him who called you. You're deserting the message of Christ. So that, to us, it's instructive. We don't do that. Okay, cling to the gospel. That gospel that saves us is the gospel we remind ourselves of every day. We cling to that is um, our foundation. It's how we walk. It's not, now, what is the outcome of those who preach a different gospel? Well, there's only one way to be saved, and mm-hmm. if you deviate from that, then you can't be saved. So you're cursed if you don't follow the gospel. So exactly. If you preach a different gospel, that's your that's your ending too. Yeah. And Paul said, even even if it's me, even though I came back to you and I told you a different gospel than the one that I already taught, I should be accursed. That's that's condemned to hell. They should be damned if they're preaching to you a different gospel than the one that you heard. And in the context, Paul continues to kind of explain to them, now remember, this gospel is not something I made up. Christ showed me this. And um, so he goes through that. But we're going to jump to Galatians 2. Uh, and starting in verse 15. And thinking about what, what do we need to know to live by faith? Okay, this is something that it's easy to forget. Okay, 2.15. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. He's talking about he and, and he just explained he had to confront Paul, or sorry, um, Peter, because he was associated with Gentiles, but then when the, when the Judaizers would come around, he would separate himself. And so he was kind of confronting him. Um, so he's talking about Jews. He says, we're Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Okay. So what do we need to know to live by faith? Mm-hmm. We're justified by faith. And so we, we cannot get it confused or forget that justification, okay, if we remember a couple weeks ago, justification is, is that declaration by God the Father that we are righteous. Not because we are righteous in ourselves, but because by faith in Jesus, He takes on our sin on the cross, pays our debt, and He gives us his righteousness. So when the Father looks at a, at a believer in Christ, he's justified because Jesus lived that perfect life that we have to live to be saved. So we, and obviously we've sinned, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. We cannot live that life. So by faith in Christ, that perfect life is given to us. It's imputed to us. Just like our sin was given to Christ. So, we remember, we have to remember, if we're going to walk by faith, our walking is not what justifies us. Okay? And with the context that you said, that's really significant. Otherwise, we become very prideful, and God opposes the proud. Mm-hmm. And in this context, he's saying we're at the same level as the Gentile sinners. We, we also, we have to be justified yeah. as Jews. So salvation for Jew and Gentile is the same. It's by faith in Christ, not by eating kosher or not associating with the wrong people. It is by faith in Christ. Very good. Look at Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, question number four. What is Paul teaching the Galatians and, by extension, us in this text? What do we need to know? Mm 
several several right answers. Start with that first phrase. What is Paul teaching us in the first phrase? I have been crucified with Christ. The old self has been dead. Is dead. Yeah. Yeah. So our, our old self is dead. We are united with Christ. Right? It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Okay, and then we have another this next sentence, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. So as a Christian, everything we do is by faith. So it's with the, the mindset that <coughs> trusting in Christ for our sanctification, or sorry, our justification, and also as we continue to live for him, we're trusting him for our Sanctification, our growth in godliness, our growth in Christ-likeness. What else does he teach the Galatians here in this verse? Um, he teaches you the current state of who you are in Christ at this present moment, which is a life lived in faith in the Son of God. So we know who our ob the object of our faith is the Son of God. Mm -hmm. Teaches that the Son of God, Christ, loved us and he gave himself for us. You mean grace before that if we are in Christ, our identity is in Christ. Mm -hmm. It's no longer us. Mm -hmm. Our identity, everything we do, say. And that ties back to Romans 8 28 when we are being our whole like Mark was saying our whole identity is now changed okay we are we also talked um, a couple weeks ago about adoption we are sons and daughters of God that's a new identity so the life now that we live in the flesh we live by faith in the son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. What effect does that have on your daily living? If we consider <coughs> our identity is now in Christ, our whole, we're living by faith in the Son of God, we know that he loves us and he gave himself for us. What, what effect does that have on our daily living? The fact that we're being molded and conformed to the image of Christ, and since He uh, conquered death, that means that we, in tune, are by His power and grace, and that um, it doesn't that death and sin doesn't have the, the hold or effect on us. Mm -hmm. Essentially, yeah, is where He's leading that. He's not saying that the. the um, the works you're doing now and the salvation get you or uh, get you to salvation. Mm -hmm. it's, just, it's the opposite. It's an opposed effect. Yep. Salvation has occurred and now you're living in good works because of and it. Okay. Other comments? Like our selfishness is not up front anymore. It's our life is fully our wants and desires go away mm -hmm. and now it's fully devoted to Christ our life becomes that. Yeah. We're living for him and for his objectives for our lives rather than what we would maybe want. Mm -hmm. What we used to want. I think the key phrase too is Christ living in me. I mean, I that's just bring joy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So my heart the fact that, you know, what we do shouldn't be of the flesh anymore. Christ is living in us and through us and that gives us Yes, yeah, so we have we have the comfort of knowing that, that Christ is in us. The power of Christ should give us um, confidence, not in our own ability to fight our sin, like we're going to talk about in a little while, but that I have, if I've been crucified with Christ, my old sinful flesh is dead, and I have now new life, I have new identity, new power to resist sin.
Very good. <coughs> Jump to Galatians 3, 10 through 14. Again, we're trying to figure out, okay, what does it mean to live by faith, to walk by faith in the rest of our life? And not just thinking about faith as a way, like a door that we step through into the Christian life and then we don't do it anymore. So, verse 10, chapter 3, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed, is, be, cursed be everyone who does not abide by the all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. So what's Paul teaching us there? First, that this was planned. He's quoting. Mm-hmm. He's showing that it was there. God's writ- written it uh, back when he was giving. The, I'm pretty sure he's talking to the Jews here, right? Hmm. Are, these, are the Galatians Jews here? No, they're, they would be Gentiles. Okay, they mm-hmm. would be Gentiles. Okay, so he's just reassuring them that it was happening from mm-hmm. the beginning, from the old Jewish text. Yeah. So one of, one of the things that's happening is these Gentile believers here, there's, there's people who are coming from uh, Jewish back there's Judaizers, and they're coming and saying, yeah, okay, faith in Christ is good, awesome, but you also need to observe the law. You, you should be circumcised. You should be doing the things that, that Moses commanded, and then you're, then you're a Christian. And Paul is saying, no, don't do that. That you're leaving the gospel that, that I preached to you at the beginning. So he's, he's saying, don't add on the works of the law for your salvation. So that's really crucial. And the whole letter is filled with his, he's, he's begging them, saying, stop, don't do this. What else does he want us to know? I think we have a tendency that it's easy for us to understand sometimes that we're justified by faith, but after that, it's up to me mm-hmm. to be sanctified. Mm-hmm. And we leave out faith in our sanctification also. Mm-hmm. And we see, I mean, in, in verse uh, 3, chapter 3, 3, mm-hmm. are you so foolish having begun in the spirit, are you now being perfected in faith? Or having to begin in the um, spirit, are you now being perfected in the flesh? So they're trying to do these things apart from faith, and um, I think that's that's huge to know that our faith just has just as much to do with our mm-hmm. sanctification. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not up to us to to get ourselves across the finish line. Right. We co- co- cooperate with God's working in our life, and, and we do have things to do, but. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not all up to us. Yeah. Our, our sanctification, our work to discipline ourselves and to grow in Christ-likeness, there is, we do have a responsibility there. But if, if we lose sight of, of who are we trusting in, then we're, we've missed it. We're not trusting in my work or my streak of good works or my, you know, my, you know, I've, it's been two years since I yelled at my kids or something. That's not the object of our, of our faith. We're not trusting in, in my ability to not do bad things or to do some good things. And that's what sanctifies me. No, we're still being sanctified by faith in Christ. So don't, don't think that it's you. Don't think that it, there's things that you do as a member of this church or that you have to do X, Y, and Z. And that's how Jesus... And that's how God sanctifies you. Now, we do things. So that's why it's, it's really, you've got to be really careful. And we weigh, uh, we always have to examine our hearts because we do have to obey. Faith requires obedience. But if we start to stray from faith and trusting in Jesus as we obey, then we turn to legalism. We, turn to, we start to rely on ourselves 
rely on those things, on something like circumcision is what, what he's talking about here. Circumcision doesn't make you a Christian, Paul is telling them. We shouldn't expect our works to make us right in God. We are already right in God through Christ. Mm-hmm. That's that later when we talk about slavery in the law and then being bonded or having bondage mm-hmm. and trying to follow the law. Yeah. And then freedom in Christ. I mean, uh, we do works because that's what God has mm-hmm. laid out for us, mm-hmm. but it's not to be right with God. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so easy to confuse. And that's that's we've talked about Catholicism too, and how they they've just switched those two sanctification and justification. We know that we're justified by faith in Christ alone. They don't they don't know that. They don't view that as how it goes. They think okay, we gotta I gotta clean myself up and do the sacraments, and I've gotta do these things, and then hopefully. I, I reached the level where God will justify me. And that's backwards. So we're, we're justified. We've been justified by faith. And now we, with joyful hearts, we obey the scriptures. Never leaving trust in Jesus Christ. That he is our perfect righteousness. Very good. Look at Galatians 5. Sixteen through eighteen. Another very well known couple of verses here. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For those for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Then he continues and, and talks about the list there. So what is Paul, what do we know from these verses? Two choices, right? What are they? Yeah. I mean, we, we do know that although we are justified, we still live in the flesh, and our flesh desires to sin. Mm-hmm. So we have to fight against that mm-hmm. desire. Yeah. And the way you do that is to walk in the Spirit. Yeah, walking by the Spirit is if we walk by the Spirit, we don't fulfill the desires of the flesh. And we know, Paul teaches, those are contrary. You can't like meld those together and live by the flesh and, and the spirit and it is, things will work out. They are at war. Right? <clears throat> Our flesh wants to do the opposite of the things that, are, that we ought to do by the spirit. Okay? So, walking by faith and it requires us to walk by the spirit. What does that mean for your daily life? Part of that is battling against our fleshly desires to not do the things that we know are good for our spiritual lives. Mm-hmm. Like, and this and this is the, the line you you have to walk on between legalism and and not, but making yourself read your Bible, making yourself spending time in mm-hmm. the Word, making yourself pray, making yourself battling the flesh because the flesh wants to buck against that mm-hmm. and not do that or take a day off or mm-hmm. which is where you get into this kind of like catch-22 of like is that legalism because I'm making myself do it because it's work mm-hmm. or is that training my body to live in a spiritual way yeah I, I think there's it's interesting because sometimes what I can get when we start thinking about these things about what what do I need to do um it's like we forget that Paul's saying that your flesh, the desires of the flesh, are the enemies of our soul, do they, do they just want to kind of make things a little tough on you? 
Are they, are they just trying to make your life a little inconvenient? What, what does Satan want to do? He wants to kill you. Like, when, when there is um, this imagery of battle and at war and putting sin to death, like, the biblical authors are choosing that language on purpose because the danger is real and it is severe. Um, there are, I had some conversations, there's a, there's a podcast we, um, that my wife found, and, and I won't go into the details of it, but it, it was just really wicked uh, what had happened, the way that the, this, this teenage boy was extorted into things, and then he went down this trail of, of guilt and shame, and then the person who was extorting him said, you might as well just kill yourself, and he did. And, and I, I was just, I was shocked by the, it just seemed such a stark wickedness. And, and how this seemingly normal boy that, you know, would, you would have never guessed that he would commit suicide in just a couple of moments, um, bad decisions, sinful choices, and he ended his life. And the fact that it's such a tragic story, and, and Satan rejoices in that. Like that's his goal. And when we think about, okay, should I read my Bible, or do I just sleep in for a little bit? Like That's the kind of thing we need to be reminded of. My flesh, this world, wants to kill me. That to say he's the enemy of my soul is not an exaggeration. Mm. And so that is sharpening our minds to, to realize that it's not just a small thing to indulge the flesh. Uh, it, has, it has very real dangers. And yet, and if we're in Christ, sure, we won't we won't lose our salvation because Christ will the the Father holds us and He perseveres us to the end. But uh, we don't you don't like uh, Spurgeon said nobody has like an E on their head, you know, for the elect. I know I'm elect, um, which is why there's those warning passages in Scripture, like in Hebrews. That's why uh, Peter says, "Make your calling and election sure. Be diligent to do that." So. It's a, it's a real danger, and I forget that. I'm being honest with you. There's a lot of times I wake up and I don't really think about the battle. That my soul is, is a target. So walking by faith, living by faith, is remembering. Okay, I need to walk by the Spirit, because if I don't, I'm walking by what? The flesh. There's no third option. So I'm doing one or the other. And that's leading me to an end. So walking by faith, there's so much we could say about this, and there's so many more scriptures we could go, uh, we can go to. Uh, but the key idea is knowledge of Jesus Christ and his word and obedience from a joyful, submissive heart is how we live by faith. Every day. And it's got to be 100%, right? Uh, we are to love the Lord, grow in our knowledge of Him, obey His word, not because that earns us righteousness or that earns us justification, because that's already been accomplished by faith in Christ alone, but because we love Him. Okay? So what happens, though, when we're confronted with our own specific <coughs> sins? If you turn the page, page 3, Anxiety. This, I thought, um, like I said earlier, I, I did not realize how much anxiety can sneak into my heart and how much I can wallow in it. Um, what are some issues or topics that we tend to be anxious about? How others will see us. Yeah. How others see us. So that's me. Um, 
fear of man, right? Mm-hmm. How? What else? Uncertainty of the future. Future. Finances. Money. Finances. Let's see if we can get a better offer. What else? Weather. 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 Okay. Mm. Children. <laughs> oh, I was making that family, right? We're anxious about our family. Performance at work. Okay. Can we say the salvation of our family? And that can be that can be a lot of things like salvation. We don't want them to get in the wrong crowd. We don't want them to marry the the wrong person. Like a, you know, so there's there's a we can go on and on about family anxieties, right? There's a lot of things that we I can be anxious for my daughters about. Let's do that because there's too many. To, let's not. <laughs> Anything else that you can think of? Security. Security? Mm-hmm. Health. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say death. Security. Death. Oh, let's go over here. Death. Health. Suffering. Owing behind. Owing behind. Owing behind. Oh, okay. Yeah. So is that related to work? Could be related to Christianity too, like. Anybody get anxious about making wrong decisions? Mm-hmm. Never happens to me. Just, just wondering. <laughs> There's, there's a lot of things, and we can go on and on and on. We can probably list a bunch of different things. Um, there's much that we can be anxious on. And Gabe just kind of stole my thunder a little bit. This, these are all about <laughs> control, right? And all of these things, anxiety is this cycle of trying to figure out how to control this. So, we don't like not being God. Yeah. Anxiety is about us trying to be God. We want to be the sovereign one, directing the pieces, making sure that these boundaries are upheld and that nobody does this thing and that you think of me the right way and you, you know, take care of my kids. Anxiety is a desire to be God and to control outcomes. And it's rooted in pride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is pride. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when when we are anxious, where are we putting our faith? Self. Ourself. <clears throat> Okay, um, so one of these things here, if you look here, I believe this is kind of what we are acting like and functioning as when we are in anxiety. I believe I can take better care of me than the sovereign God can. I believe I can take better care of my family and my future than God can. Or stated another way, I trust in my ability to take care of me more than God's ability to take care of me. I trust myself and my ability to take care of my kids and to plan their future and to make sure that they don't go the wrong way than I trust in God's ability to do that. Anxiety, like we've said, is is often a struggle to control the outcome. 
and it reveals the things that we want most, the things that we believe will bring us good or joy or pleasure or success, that anxiety reveals our idols. So as you look at that list, and if there are particular things on that list that you struggle with, <laughs> it requires us to kind of dig in a little bit and figure out what, why does that make me so anxious? Why do I, why do I get so anxious when I think about how these people will see me? It's pride. Mm-hmm. And even more specific than that, what am I, the idol is, I have to be liked. I have to be respected. They have to think that I'm really good at this. They have to think that I have my life together. They have to think that I'm a great parent or a good husband or a good whatever, a good employee. What if they don't think that I'm a good principal for me? What if they don't think I'm a good teacher That's the end of the world. I, I got to figure this out. I've got to figure out, okay, okay I, if I say this the right way, if I make the handout really well, and if I number the questions and I do the font, and, and then I don't, I don't mess up the things that I say, because how, what, how do I say that? Because if I say it the wrong way, then they won't think that I know what I'm talking about. They, that anxiety is tied to my idol of how you see me. Or if we go to the future, I must have a, a, a nice future. I need to have a good job. So if I'm getting, I'm getting bad grades, oh no. Okay, what do I need to do? I gotta figure out how to, what, what teacher do I need to talk to? What, what class do I need to take? What do I need to do to make sure I get the, the college, to get to the job? Going on down the line, behind the things that make us anxious are our idols that we're clinging to that we believe are gonna be the things that bring us joy or satisfaction. So, if we're, if we're gonna get practical, we're gonna to try to figure out how do we fight anxiety over these things. Okay, the first step is gonna be, I'll give you the answer, we gotta find the idol. What's the idol that I'm really believing is going to help me, give me joy, give me peace, give me satisfaction. What do we need to know to fight against the lie? What do we need to affirm? And what, what do we need to do? Because all of these are a lack of faith. Well, I shouldn't say that. All of these are misplaced faith. Who is the one who controls all of these things? God. God. When, when I seek to, to do this, when I'm getting anxious, I am no longer walking my faith in God. I'm not living by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm living my faith in me. I'm living my faith in a certain number. If I reach that number, then I can take care of my family, I can do this, I can enjoy retirement, I can do X, Y, and Z. Only I can get that. So, we're going to think about that, that structure of faith. What Faith is knowing truth and affirming truth and acting on the truth. So we talked about that in weeks past. Now we're going to figure out, okay, what do I need to know and affirm and do when I'm tempted to be anxious about any of these things? So have, have your specific anxious struggle in mind as we kind of work through scriptures, what, how do we fight this? And Piper's, Piper's book is all about we fight these by faith in God's future grace. Is he going to take care of us? Is he going to do good to you? That's how we fight this. So let's walk through a couple of passages, very well-known passages. Look, look at uh, Matthew 6. Yeah. 
verse 25. We're going to kind of walk through it. And this is in your, um, your handout. And we've got, we're going to look at the commands, any commands that, that Jesus gives here. And then we're going to think about what do we know and affirm. We'll put those two together. Uh, what do we know and affirm from what Jesus is saying? And then what do we do with it? So just the first couple of verses there. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? What are the commands there? Do not be anxious is one. Yeah, that's the big one. Don't be anxious. It's a command. He's not saying you probably shouldn't be anxious. It's not good for you. Jesus says, don't be anxious. And, and just, just that command can be kind of comforting, right? Is it possible for us to not be anxious? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus commanding us to do something. We are in Christ. We have uh, him on the inside of us, right? We can stop being anxious. I think sometimes people will say, and I've done this myself, we shouldn't be anxious. Um, I know that's a lot harder in action, like harder to do, but that is what we're supposed to do. And I think sometimes that can be a cop out. Because mm-hmm. if we're walking near God, if we're walking in Christ, if we're holding his hand as we're living through life, then it will be easy to not be anxious because mm-hmm. we're putting our trust in him. But if we're far from God, we're not walking obediently, we're not near him, then yes, it will be hard. Mm-hmm. But if we are near him, if we know who he is, it actually won't be hard to not be anxious because we trust him. There's a security there. Mm-hmm. I kind of envision it like a parent relationship. If I'm holding my dad's hand as I'm walking, you know, it was easy to trust that mm-hmm. the dangers around me wouldn't hurt me mm-hmm. because he was there. Mm-hmm. But if I was far away from my dad, all of a sudden those anxieties would come so much easier. Mm -hmm. So if we're near God, it's actually easier, you Mm -hmm. know, to not be anxious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it could be tied to care, too. Like, I care. Mm -hmm. So of course I'm anxious. Yeah, if you're not anxious, if you're not worried, then you just don't care about it. You just, you know, you're just ignorant about it. Or you, yeah, that's... I'm not sure, though. It's different to say it's easy to not be anxious if we're close to him than to say it's easier mm-hmm. to not be anxious when we're close to him. You know, like, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy to not be anxious. And I, it makes me think of the man, um, the stories of Mark, but where he says, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. And I think that's more what it is, like, saying, like, I believe that you are trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Help my unbelief mm-hmm. to not, you know, like, just in the constant refrain, like, I know you are my father. I know you are good. Help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just I, a child suddenly. I mean, you will be, that goes, I mean, that's perfect. Like, I mean, we couldn't help but be anxious of what that looked like. So, I mean, we were very close to God, but something so quick that changes your view, you have to take a second to, mm-hmm. I mean. Catch up. Yeah, help my unbelief. That is, that is absolutely right. And, and I think the other thing that, that makes it, um, I guess we have to keep in mind, is there are, uh, there's a temptation whenever we hear something hard or something that like seems very simple. Jesus says, don't be anxious about your life. Um, sometimes we want to like think about that and like analyze it when... It's a, it's a simple command, and what are we supposed to do? Just do it. We can, we can make some of these things harder by saying, well, I mean, but what, I mean, that would be, be kind of, that would mean that you kind of start extrapolating and figuring out, well, if I'm really not going to be anxious about money, then let's see, I gotta, how do I, I got to at least do this, and, and we start to overthink what obedience would be. I 
like the imagery of uh, Peter when he tries to, well, when he does walk on water, going mm -hmm. after seeing Jesus. Um, and those waves can be chronic pain, they can be anxiety, they can be fear, like they can be anything that is affecting us negatively, but we just gotta keep our eyes on Jesus the whole time. And sometimes waves will be bigger and smaller, you know, but if we keep our eyes on Jesus and sometimes like reminding myself of that imagery and like picturing it in my head and focusing on Jesus will get through that anxiety in that moment. Um, and I also now have the imagery of holding his hands, so that's fantastic. Well, yeah, and I think in both of those examples, so Bridget brought up the, the, the father who his son uh, is demon-possessed, and the demon often takes him and tries to kill him, and he, and he is, that's what he is used to seeing, and it terrifies him. And so when he's saying, I believe, uh, help my unbelief, like, and then also with Peter, he gets out, he starts believing, you know, and then he stops believing because he's, he stops thinking about, he stops trusting Jesus. Because he's like, wow, it's really windy. Maybe Jesus can't really help me walk on the water. And these waves are, I mean, this water's deep. It would be not good if I started to sink. You know, maybe, so, so don't, and it's hard to say because you're all going through, everybody's, has things that different temptations to anxiety, different struggles, and different. Um, obviously, the, the list is, and it could go on and on. We can't overcomplicate what obedience would be. So when Jesus says, "Do not be anxious," it we need to just stop there and say, "Okay, Lord, help me to stop being anxious. I'm going to stop." Not, okay, Lord, I'll stop being anxious if you. Do this. If you give me this, if you give me a sign, or you know, no, stop being anxious. Why? Why do we stop being anxious? If we continue there, the command: don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on. And here's why: okay, is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? I think it's interesting, too, looking at the context, because the very first word is therefore mm -hmm. in verse 25. So it's pointing to, he gave a command earlier in verse 19, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, mm -hmm. but lay them up in heaven. And so we can obey that and then start to be anxious, because if I'm going to lay up treasures in heaven, now I'm starting to worry about what's going on here on the earth. Mm -hmm. And so then the Lord immediately follows up with, and therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat. So all these like monetary, earthly things that can cause a lot of anxiety um, that we desire to control. I just think in context, that's mm -hmm. helpful to see yeah. that it's um, your body, what you'll put on those anxieties. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 You can't serve two masters in verse 24. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can't serve God and money. Yeah. The heart and the, yeah, mm -hmm. the money. So if you believe that, Jesus knows that there's some practical things that you're going to have to trust him for. And he says, remember, don't be anxious about it. Because your body is more than the clothes that you wear and the food and water that you drink. Okay, so the action, part of the action is just remember that. Okay, the things that I'm anxious for are not all that life consists of usually a very small sliver, okay? But let's continue on here. Verse 26 on page 4, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? What is Jesus teaching? What do we need to know here? making a comparison to birds more providing for them and feeding them in their in their life and he's making the contrast to you as people are you not worth more to him than the birds are yeah he, he's saying these birds and these sparrows I mean there's how many sparrows do you think there are in the world there's a lot I don't know I don't know how many millions maybe I don't know 
So lots of birds, lots of these birds, not very, not valuable. And the father feeds them. They don't plan ahead. They don't have places where they store extra grains and whatever they eat, you know, seeds or whatever. They're not planning for the future. Your father feeds them. If he feeds these insignificant birds, will he not feed you? Do you think he won't feed you? Like, are, are you not of more value than they are? So when I'm anxious about finances and whether I'm going to be able to f- buy certain things and I start to get wrapped up and trapped and locked up in anxiety, Jesus is reminding me, don't be anxious for these things. Are you not more important to the Father than, than these birds that he takes care of? So what, what do we do with that knowledge right there? What, what do we do? And Jesus says that. What, do, what does he expect us to do? Cease with anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's continuing this. Stop the anxiety. Remind yourself. Confess these things. Pray, pray about these things. Lord, I know that you feed the birds. And you love me more than birds. Prayer, prayer is going to be a key component to all of these things as far as the action. We need to confess the truth and kind of confess what I've been idolizing, where I, what I think is going to take care of me and pray that, that I'm, going to, I'm going to walk by faith in Christ. We're at... Oh, that is a, we're going to have to stop there. Looking at, We'll pick up with verse 27 uh, next week, and we'll kind of finish through anxiety. My encouragement would be, think about what makes you anxious this week. Uh, when you find yourself kind of locked up, trying to figure out in, in, in fearful anxiety, what, what are you trying to control? And why? What is the idol that's underneath that? Because that's got, you've got, if once we know what the idol is, and we start comparing the idol to our Heavenly Father, now, now we can fight it. Right? We can start to <coughs> memorize scriptures, and we'll get into that a lot more next week. So next week, you know, throughout the week, what am I being anxious about? And, and we can really get to work uh, on that. So... Uh, Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week, Lord willing.